1: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast, supported by La Cole here with Benji Nyson. The Giro d'Italia is back on the menu. Third week started with stage 17, a nasty stage, 194 k's. Downhill start, which makes break formation difficult, then they do a 3 k 9% climb. Downhill again, then a valley section flat of about 50 k's, then two nasty climbs. Paso San Valentino, 15 k's, 7.6%. Descent, short valley, and then Segadi la climb, eleven and a half k's, nine point six percent. Some filthy gradients in there. I think the 8 k is quite steep, and it levels off at the end. So, not a fake news climb. It's just pretty disgusting for the first eighty hmm, percent of it. Favorites for the day were in the break, riders like oh, Nibali, uh, Foramolo, Dan Martin, etc., and it'd be. The GC test after the rest day yesterday. What do you think was going to happen, Benji? Who, going into this third week, who needed to make some moves? Was it uh, Trek trying to move Ciccone to the podium? Was it Vlasov and Carthy going for the win? Well, If you're Caruso, what would you have said if you were Bahrain yesterday?
0: I think that all teams that are trying to fight for the podium needed to try and fight for that podium. I'm not necessarily sure that. In Bahrain's plans, I would have said, I'll do this or that, because Caruso seems to be best off if you leave him running as a, at his own pace on a climb, and not necessarily if you let him attack somewhere. And um, I think that's always worked for Caruso so far in this Giro, so I wouldn't really force that. I think that it's his skill, it's his his uh, well, what he's good at. But um, I think that there's a lot of people that are a bit too behind on GC that needed to go in the breakaway. Um, it's easy to say afterwards, and I can't prove this at all, but this morning on Discord, I um, I spoke about Dan Martin having an opportunity of winning this stage because you've got the fact that he's now enough behind, thanks to stage 16, to actually go in the breakaway. And additionally to that, he has the ability of being the best in the breakaway if he's on that final climb. We had a bit of a climb in the middle of that false flat section after a good 40, 50 kilometers in the stage. And then a proper breakaway started occurring, and that included Johnny Mosco from uh, INEOS. So they put someone in the breakaway, which in the end might turn out to be a satellite rider. We don't know that yet. Geoffrey Bouchard, the KOM leader, trying to gain more KOM uh, points and trying to defend that. The Bond, he seems to be going for another classification, uh, some sprint classification or breakaway classification. I, I honestly i am not sure which one because there's a bit too many at this Giro. And there was also Sanchez, Carboni, Groschartner, Nox Seri, so two riders from the Koenig. Ravazzi, Badilati, we've got Hirt, Hermans, and Pasqualon. so three for the team of Wanti. Dan Martin in the breakaway. Matteo Jorgensen and Pedrero, Pedrero who've been riding absolutely amazing the last week and probably on the level that he was in 2019 during the Giro when he uh, blew up the Oncolon. Mosca, Conti, Kovi, and Ulisi in the breakaway. So, uh, really strong breakaway for the stage and the fact is that in this stage you've got the flat section in the middle the flat section after the descent just before the climb start and on that flat section the gap can go out and the gap actually went out for a bit but eventually we did see in the peloton that some teams started occurring well putting people to the front and then started actually pacing but who are really the teams that seem to be interested in today
1: Bike Exchange they're back after the I mean Simon if the uh, if the stage, if I'm gonna lose too much time, stage is unsafe. Yates, he was back or getting his team to pace all of today in it was a beautiful day today and a beautiful stage uh to Sega de So bike exchange were pacing a lot, Cam Meyer, the Australian national champ, on the front, keeping the break really close. Three minutes, two fifty all of the day. And Dan Martin, on when they got onto Paso San Valentino, Dan Martin went clear. He just had Moscone and Pedrero with him, and he was doing the bulk of the work, Dan Martin, uh, crazy from him pulling almost that entire climb, not the entire climb, got some help, but pulling that climb, I think Herman's had some help as well. And, yeah, the break was getting mown down by or kept in check by bike exchange. Astana and EF didn't really help them. Bahrain didn't either. Ineos were just waiting there. They had Moscon, we thought as a satellite rider, because he's not beating Martin, one would think on that Sega de Alla finish if the break makes it. And, yeah, then they got onto the descent, Benji, and there was a pileup. I didn't really see – I've watched it a few times, but I haven't seen the front-on shot. I don't think there is a front-on moto shot. Who caused the crash or what was the cause of it? Because it didn't look that bad a corner. No, one of the riders that slipped
0: was near the front of the group. I think that Nibali was the second rider that slipped. I, I'm not sure who the first rider that slipped was, i got to be honest. And the riders that crashed in that part of the crash because there's two moments to this crash. You've got the initial crash in the corner with the slides and the people there, well, Nibali again crashing. So um, apparently he finished the stage eventually. I'll spoil that already. Obviously behind, but not looking too well with his uh, with his hand that he already uh, was injured at before this Giro. So let's hope that's not too worrisome because... Oh... He's been uh, having way too many crashes for my dear healthy mind to, uh, to actually survive. But we also had a crash just behind because people started breaking. And, well, Remco Evenpool ended up hitting the, the railing by the side of the road and actually going over it quite a bit. And luckily, it's the kind of railing that is basically on a not on a ravine or anything. It's, it's like there, there's a field behind it. And it isn't the deep fall. So that's the good aspect of this. He actually had a similar injury, not as harsh as Chloe Dygert, but similar kind of injury, a, a cut because of the, of the rail by the side of the road, but nowhere near that bad because a few uh, minutes later, he ended up stepping on the bike with his wound, uh, well, bandaged by the medical uh, service. So he uh, was out of uh, this race, basically, when it comes to the group, not necessarily out of the race yet. He's still finishing this stage, apparently. Um, and I think that's basically when it comes to the crash. I think Chicone was in it. That was the most important one. Caruso was also mentioned, but it's not Caruso that crashed. It was probably Rafael Valls. I'm still not sure which uh, Bahrain rider it was. But it wasn't Bilbao. It wasn't Caruso. They were still at the front. Chicone crashed. He got back in the descent, spent some energy there. And that might cost him at the end. And eventually, he came Increased back to the group. Pacing. Yes. Well, Quicks have oh, started well, pacing
1: after he started he pacing crashed. his
0: bike change, right? Or was it already oh, before?
1: I'm not, I can't remember when, ah, no worries. whether it was before or after you the continue. bike change, but Giacone, yeah, he crashes. He's, I don't know, fifth or sixth on GC or seventh, and Almeida's 10th on GC. Dukernik have dropped back, Knox and Seri, although I think they might have already been dropped from they were already dropped from the breakaway. They sit up and then they get to the front of the group in this short valley section before the last climb and they start hammering it. And that's eating into the gap to the breakaway, which has stopped working too well at this point. You've got Dan Martin, he's being relied on a lot. Moscon, who would be perfect in this valley, he's not really working. He's conserving energy because he's yeah, he's riding for as a satellite rider, one would think. And Martin's the strongest on the climb. So it's Pedrero and Martin kind of pulling and then stopping the gaps now down to like a minute 30, minute 25 off the back of Bex and De Quickstead. And we're thinking, is this going to be big GC day winning this stage? Once again, they get onto the climb. Dan Martin immediately kicks away from all his breakaway companions. It's steep from the base, this climb. And he's just doing the, the climb on his own, holding a gap of 120 exactly and then we see a familiar sight back in the peloton. Chicone catches back. He is tired, as Benji said. We've got everyone there. I was surprised. We'll talk about whether Ava Paul should have been pulled afterwards, but pretty much just normal fare as usual. Ineos pacing with Castro Viejo. They've got Moscon up the road. They've got Martinez there and Bernal. And I think they are missing, yeah, they're probably missing another guy on the train. Castro took a long, long pull, and it's, I'm looking at some early numbers about the the times they did on Sega de Alá. I think not um, like not huge watts per kilo that they ex- could have happened if Bernal went nuclear, I think, for the 35 minutes. Still, obviously, very fast. But I think that's because of Castro pulling for a long, long time. Nonetheless, we saw Benji. Well, Astana pulled. Then Vlasov got dropped. Was that whilst they were pulling? Surely it wasn't whilst Astana were pulling.
0: It it was just after, it was just after, which makes it, it's weird because then you're thinking about, well, did he not communicate that he was not feeling so well or was it suddenly that he was out of energy? Yeah, perhaps they were fake pulling, but the tempo was pretty high because Vlasov got tired because of it. So uh, honestly, I think that it's a bit of a, I can't call it a mistake because I don't know whether he was suddenly feeling bad or was already feeling bad for quite a bit. But it's just surprising every time we see a team pulling so hard and then eventually their leader drops about a minute or two later. So uh, that's a bummer there. I think that on the climb itself, it was Ineos taking over the moment that Astana was uh, was stopping. And honestly, I was like, okay, Bernal's basically going to do what he's done this entire Giro. Bernal's going to be on third wheel now. In a few kilometers, we'll see him getting in second wheel. And then in the end, he'll ride away with someone else, for example. But not even before Daniel's riders were all spent, we saw that Shua Walmeda was attacking in the second group. And this all while Dan Martin had dropped everybody in the breakaway and was solo a good minute ahead, right?
1: Yeah, and we just saw that gap. And we, I'm like, do I trust this gap? It's literally not moved off a minute for 10 minutes. But it, see, it was correct. Dan Martin was just holding that gap stable to the group. And, yeah, we've got Carthy, Bardet, everyone gone. So we're like, this pace must be fierce. But, yeah, it mustn't have been that fierce because on other stages when Ineos have pinned it the whole way, Almeida's been hanging on for dear life, and he's attacking off that pace. I mean, he was before this stage looking at the standings. He was 10th on GC, exactly 10 minutes back. He's six minutes 6 minutes 20 off the podium before the stage started. And I think he'd just seen Karthi Vlasov and Giacone drop Benji and Bardet, and he's thinking, I can move up from 10th to 5th today if I keep this pace going because, yeah, Moscon's pace wasn't, when they caught back to him, wasn't that hot. And then it was eventually Simon Yates trying to bridge across to Almeida. Marked by Egan Bernal, we're now in the steep, steep sections of this climb. They've immediately put 30 seconds into Dan Martin just like that, and it's 28 seconds with 2.5 k's to go. We're thinking, if Yates keeps this up, he's going to win this stage for sure, or Bernal or Almeida who are clinging onto his back wheel. Martinez was there as well. Bernal closed to Yates, and then suddenly we saw Simon Yates dropping. No, it wasn't Simon Yates, Benji. It was Martinez pulling, and then suddenly Egan Bernal was dropping off the back. It's I don't know what happened. What's your initial view when you see that to think do you think Bernal's overextended trying to follow Yates on the steepest section with the no. yo-yo pace or you think no, his no, 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 is no, no.
0: I think my initial thought was I'm probably seeing this wrong they're probably covering this wrong the other way around Bernal must have been, <laughs> been alone ahead of people there's no way that he's the, dropped right now
1: mirrored the footage. <laughs> and
0: then 20 seconds later I was like oh my god Bernal's actually behind <laughs> It actually took yeah. me that long to realize did you just actually get dropped? Because I really was not expecting it. It's today was the only day that out of this entire giro I said before the last climb, oh, Renault's gonna oh he's gonna slam dunk on everyone. Well, that turned out a bit <laughs> a bit opposite. I jinxed him. But uh yeah, <laughs> I think that my reaction after that was, is it back pain? Is it him not feeling that well? It's very difficult to say. But it was a serious parquet in the first few minutes. Uh, like, it's it's not that he was dropping and he was keeping a tempo. It was dropping and, oh God, this is not looking good. And then I question, is it necessary to follow the attacks of Yates, who is four minutes and a half behind? Not really. Would it be an idea if he just kept in the wheel of Martinez and they just paced like that and lost a minute to Yates? It, it wouldn't have looked great, but would have been, looked much better than today because now we know that he has weakness. Well, otherwise we would have been unsure about it, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. So I'll finish the recap, and then there's a couple of talking points of shoulda, woulda, coulda that we love to get into. Yates goes away with Almeida. Martin, we think he's going to win the stage because of the flatter last kilometer. He's still got that 28 seconds, incredibly strong from Dan Martin. He goes clear. Almeida then attacks off Yates. Yates is pulling, 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 not caring about Almeida. He just wants to get onto the podium and then see what he can do later in the week. Almeida gets to within, I think, 13 seconds of Dan Martin. But Dan Martin wins the stage. Incredibly strong on Zonkolan. On the mountaintop finishes, he has looked a million bucks so far this year at Italia. It's been everything else that's been the problem. Almeida coming second, 13 seconds back. Putting 17 seconds into Yates, plus four bonus seconds. So, like, really good from Yates. And then Diego Ulisi pacing in Caruso, who've been with Diego and Bernal Group, and Danny Martinez. Further back, trying to look for the next GC, (laughs) Men, Tobias Foss on 2.20, paced by Bennett, Barday on 2.50, back, and then Vlasov on three minutes, Carthy on 3.52. So the revised GC right now is Bernal, 2.21 ahead of Caruso. That's barely changed. Yates moves up into third, two spots, 3.23 behind Bernal. Vlasov on fourth on six minutes. Fourth is on six minutes. Carthy into fifth on 6.09. Bardet, Martinez. Martinez is now on seven minutes in seventh. Almeida eighth. And then Ciccone moves down four spots to 11 minutes. Yeah, Almeida's the one who probably gained a minute and a half almost on well, – he didn't gain on Martinez, but he gained on the others. He's closer to the podium now. But the topic I want to – it's two topics, Benji. First of all, of all, Ineos. Did Ineos sort of pace and put Bernal under pressure? Did Ineos overextend with Bernal? And do you think Martinez did a good job for him? There seemed to be... Were, Martinez was remonstrating with Bernal. What do you think that was about? Do you think Martinez should have just gone a bit slower rather than having Bernal right at the limit? Or was Bernal completely cooked?
0: Hmm. I don't know. I, it's hard to say because Bernal, we've seen him crack in that Tour de France, but that was the back issue. But still... We've never seen him, like, crack and then come back from it, you know? Not that I know, at least. I think that we had the Tour de France. We had Prato de Tivo this year where he wasn't able to follow and then cracked from the second group as well. And then right now we've got that he's cracking from this point as well. Maybe it's just the fact that he can't really... He doesn't notice that he's so far through the limit and it suddenly happens to him. It's, it's hard to say because I think it's for everybody different. And for every GC writer probably as well. And I think that it's impossible for me to say, oh, they overextend it. I think that they overextend. I think that you don't necessarily need to react like that on Yates because I think that they're trying to keep Martinez up there in GC as well. While
1: yeah. all I pace the whole time.
0: Yeah, I think that Martinez pacing just ahead of Bernal, like the old school Ineos train, if somebody goes that's four minutes behind, oh, not that big of a deal caruso is the person you need to follow and if that was the strategy that they took i don't think we would have seen him crack if he just had to follow caruso today but it's it's kind of in hindsight because i beforehand would not have said that because i don't know what bernal was feeling before the stage you know
1: well normally what they would do is they'd let yates attack and then they'd have martinez pace on the front and limit the gap and bring him back and say he's attacking early. He can't maintain this. That's what we normally see. And then, I mean, you look at Catalonia. That's how they. That's how they ride with for Thomas and Co. Normally, but I guess Bernals just felt so good. He's like, I can close Yates. Not a problem. And I think we, I got a little bit of Froome-Wiggins vibes with Martinez today, <laughs> who I think could have gone for the stage win and was thinking about stage win, perhaps, or moving yeah, himself but- further up on GC. That's why I think he's like, If you on, sign for any you don't need to think that. I know. I'm just saying, you know, remember when Froome was uh, it? Oh, yeah. the tour and he was pacing yeah. Wiggins and was- <laughs> Wiggins was slowing him down? I just, maybe that was why Martinez was a little bit amped up about it. Um, but generally, he did a good job pacing. My second question, Benji, is Caruso. On the Rest Day podcast, you were like, I hope once in a lifetime opportunity, I hope he does everything to win not get on the podium. Did you think he did that today when he had Bernal, Bernal looked on the ropes uh, on this last climb?
0: It's difficult to say. I would have said that he hasn't tried to drop him in the last section, but the thing with Caruso is that he's experienced as a climber and the way he climbs is whenever he gets dropped or whenever somebody attacks, he does not choose to counterattack or follow that attack. What he does is he rides his own tempo and see where he gets at the end. And I think that's how he's done the entire Giro so far. I think that's what works for him. And maybe he doesn't trust the fact that if he attacked, he probably felt like, okay, if I attack now, I'm done for as well. I don't know. He could have done it, I think. A small attack, at least, would like test the waters. But it's not really Caruso's strategy from what I remember. I think the only attack I've seen this Giro of him was the one in that stage where Mohoric eventually, uh, unfortunately, crashed out. But I don't know.
1: He was pulling uh, Bernaldo. That's my issue with it. Yeah, he was pulling that group, trying to limit the, the gap to Yates. So that's the one thing you see that and you're like... Yeah. Don't worry, you got two, you got two minutes on Yates and you got the buffer in the TT. Maybe he's worried that Yates is going to do this again in the next stage and mm-hmm. keep attacking him. So two minutes isn't that much. I guess what I, you see at the end when Diego Ulysses, of all people who came fourth <laughs> on this stage, <laughs> maybe he's fr- – yeah, literally well, what? From um, the break,
0: but <laughs> he ended up in the, in the elite group and held on, which is the best part of it. Last three kilometers in the elite group.
1: Is he friends with Caruso? They're both Italian. Maybe it was that. He, he was definitely pulling Caruso. <laughs> and they the same for the country, it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean they must best be, friends. <laughs> 100% means they're definitely friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you saw when Ulysses accelerated the last 300 meters, Bernal got gapped, even though it was flattish, and yeah, he yeah, lost more time.
0: I feel like we need to like pull push this all aside for a second and realize that we've got the entire big comeback of a lifetime happening right now. Chihuahua Almeida with the attack, dropping people the, everywhere. The and one. the only thing that, well, I saw happening as well was that Yates was dropping Almeida and Almeida actually caught up again and Almeida dropped Yates again. And Almeida was gaining time when he was coming closer to Dan Martin. But in the end, it was indeed Dan Martin that was taking the stage here home on Segadialla. But Chihuahua Almeida taking time on everybody. He needs roughly about eight minutes now to get <laughs> Imalia rosa at the end of this show, it's, it's coming home, I feel it. Well, Portugal to, to Portugal, not home to Belgium, unfortunately.
1: If, if he just does two and a half minutes every stage and then one minute, <laughs> one and a half in the TT, it's simple maths, he's won it. <laughs> but yeah, crazy from Almeida. He's clearly just, oh, I don't know what to say. Just incredible performance from him. It must be bittersweet for him how this yep. third week is already going. Uh, I guess we've already spoken about it at length on the Rest Day podcast about both he and Step are somewhat to blame, you know, him losing that time, no one forced him to do that, and then dropping back for Remco, etc. which, speaking of Remco, Benji, that's one of my last questions for today. Should the Koenig pull Remco out of the Giro? My view is yes, purely because he's descending is such a problem right now. We've got these big mountain passes. And uh, he should just... I don't really see any benefit to him being in the right now unless he is going to go in the breaks. By the time it gets to crunch time, I, I mean, maybe they can plan something for him to set up Almeida, but I think he's going to be pretty shook after today's crash. I think it'd probably be better for him to... I don't know. Do you think it's better for him to get back on the horse again? I don't really see it.
0: I don't know. I think that it's his own decision that he wants to ride out this Giro because it's his first Grand Tour and he wants to finish it. I think, I think that from a perspective from someone that is looking in the future and is probably expecting a lot from him in the future. I don't think it's necessary to finish it and it might harm him even more if he continues doing so depending on as well, what he has from the crash because the crash did look pretty, uh, hefty. So let's hope it's just a small wound on, on his arm and that it's nothing else. But apparently across the finish line, looking pretty, uh, pretty damn suffering, uh, with, Two teammates helping him out, crossing the line. So uh, he's not having the best of a few days the last week. But I think that it's his own decision. I can't say that for him. But I don't think no, no, it's I going don't, to I add disagree. anything for him if he finishes it. Personally, only the thing of finishing it. But then again, he's going to finish enough zeros in the future. Like I think that I also want to add something small about the downhill, the descending. Um, I. I read somewhere that they were planning to do something with a MotoGP pilot or something in January or in in the last winter or probably around January then. But the extension of the injury actually uh, bottled that. So I don't know. He really needs that, though, like ASAP, like bike handling um, lessons and descending. It's not an easy thing to learn. And it's definitely not easy if you've got crashes under your belt in a descent because that's going to make you so fearful. I got to be honest, I fell... In a bloody corner two years ago, and it took me a month to get over cornering again with a, after after I came back from a broken elbow. So uh, and I didn't have a, a MotoGP pilot doing it, so it, it was pretty rough. <laughs> so it, yeah. it's that trauma of crashing that is probably the worst part of it. But I do want to kick in a tiny bit about the Almeida Remco situation because oh, a lot uh, of people are talking about. Okay, go quick.
1: I disagree that you, you say it's just his decision, which it is as well. But yeah, it's, also quick, steps, it's yeah. also quick Steps call. They have five-year big investment. Do you really – I mean, if yeah. you're seeing this guy crashing over and over again and dropped on every descent, if I'm Lefebvre, I'm thinking what's the point in this? We need to go away, get in with the guy you mentioned, Cal, Rich or something. I mean, I've got my T12 to L2 fixed uh, when I – Got a burst fracture in my spine when I was descending, and then yeah, you just got to you do have to get back. But I don't think racing—I can imagine I wouldn't, couldn't imagine going straight back into racing. Um, took ages to you know, practice, get that confidence back as well. Um, so yeah, w- what about our major in the the Evenipol Dynamics? Benji, uh, is Portuguese Twitter on fire right now?
0: Yeah, it is, of course, and I think that there is actually a few points where I agree on because last time we mentioned that. Yeah, on, on, he lost time, Almeida, on the first climbing stage. He lost time on that last stage, four minutes. What I don't get about that day, though, is it's obviously all in hindsight, but I don't think that it's all in hindsight because I think that Portuguese people are probably saying it the same day as well. And that's the fact that he was dropped as a GC leader for a team. And that must mean they've got zero confidence in him if they keep pacing in the group ahead for Remco and they don't send at least one rider to him in the first X amount of kilometers to help him out, like Seri and so forth. I don't know who was still in the group, but I think Knox was still up there and so forth doing stuff for Remco. And at that point, I'm like, perhaps it would have been a logical decision actually to at least have some confidence in your leader. They switched so swiftly to Remco. And like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, it's such a weird decision. But I wouldn't be talking about it if Portuguese people didn't show me that. Because So thank you to the Portuguese for uh, actually giving a valid argument here.
1: Yeah, I think their point is that if Apollo drops, Quiksha probably don't keep pacing to extend that gap that early in this year. Or at least I don't think they would have, they would have probably let off the gas. Uh, although they paced today when, like, when he crashed, but he's like 30 minutes back. Uh, he, he looks pretty banged up over the finish line, was pushed over his teammates, Uh, I'd be surprised if he starts tomorrow, but who knows? Dan Martin Benji had some Irish fans saying we might need to apologise to him. Do we need to apologise to Dan Martin, or should we in fact be patting ourselves on the back?
0: We had the entire strategy set already that he was far enough in GC that he wasn't going to top 10. And as a consequence, he should take time and go for breakaways. The thing is, he didn't do that, but instead... He accidentally lost too much time by just not being able to follow in the descents, which means that, and and on the uphill section, which means that in the end, it's the same eventual outcome that he could go in the breakaway today. And that's what gives him the opportunity. So we had the right idea, but it wasn't our strategy that got him there. He just wasn't good enough as a GC leader to get to that point. But he's obviously uh, destroyed every person in his... uh, in his breakaway today. So very nice victory for him. And I'm pretty happy
1: about it, actually. Me too. And that's the thing. We knew Dan Martin could do this. Dan Martin climbed. He only lost like a minute 20 to the GC group, maybe less today. That is an unbelievable climbing performance when you've been in the break doing all the climbs pretty much on your own all day. Unbelievable level from Dan Martin. And we knew he could do this. That's why we we're always on like... Because the decision's so polarized. If you're someone who's like a bit... Oh, they they might not even win from the break anyway. It's like oh well, maybe just try your luck at GC, see how you go. Go for, if you're a good time trials, but we're like no, no, no. Zonkalan, if he's in the break, he's going to win. Any of these mountaintop finishes, Dan Martin, if he's in the break, will win. Given especially the level of Bennett and Molina, who've been in the breakaways, but it's good to see him getting that W. Um, and yeah, incredible performance from him. Love to see him at the Vuelta later the year, where I th- later this year, where I know there's some more TT, but I think top five he could definitely shoot for again. Tomorrow's stage in the Giro is not a mount stage. Shouldn't be too much GC action from Rovaretto to Stradella. It's a big transition stage. 231 Ks of pretty much flat for the first 200 Ks. Then they do four climbs. 3 Ks, 4%. 5 Ks, 4%. 1500, 7.5. 2.5, 5.7. I like Sagan. I think from a break, I'd love to see Sagan in the breakaway tomorrow, Benji, kind of like his stage win last mm-hmm. year. I'd also like to see Pelo Bilbao. I don't know the weather conditions either. I think Pelo Bilbao is actually not bad in a break there. Uh, but, yeah, who do you like for tomorrow, and is it going to be break once again?
0: I think it's going to be break on this one. and um I'm looking at Onorue and perhaps Yolisi again, mm. um, but – Honore is the pick that I think you mentioned yesterday, so credits to you actually, because otherwise I would not have followed him for this stage too much. But I do want to mention that he says that he's going to try and go for this stage, which is already a yeah. good uh, add on to that. He's got the skills for it, but the problem and he's is. he's been
1: unwell or something.
0: Nah, but the problem is, the problem is, Almeida's become so good that he might not be allowed to go in the breakaway again, because Almeida's path to the Malia Rosa is open <laughs> right now. <laughs>
1: Is <laughs> <laughs> Almeida. Almeida is proving today he is the better pure climber than uh Bernal, better GC prospect than apol, <laughs> And when you put that all together, he's the best G C rider in the world right now. And it's not he's even a push. climb that
0: fits him perfectly. Like
1: <laughs> well, mate, he's better I'm at so, steady ones, I'd expect. I'm so confused, uh to be honest. I mean we saw on Zonkalan Zonkelan I was, I thought he'd lose more. Uh, yeah, I'm he's incredible today. Uh, but, yeah, I think break's winning tomorrow because you you got to look at, okay, who are the sprinters teams here? Viviani or Kofidis? It's too hard for sprinters. It, fuck that. Give you, uh, yeah, the sprinters no interest. <laughs> so I think Israel should, should send Chimelay in the break and Segan should just get in the break and then... Fabro? With a teammate, with Groschartner or Fabro. Groschartner or Fabro, yeah, they'd be good in a break. I'd love to see a three-man Bora break mm-hmm. tomorrow because yeah. Groschartner is punchy as... And uh, yeah, Fabra, maybe a little bit small. The
0: real question is, will we see both Lotto-Soudal riders in the breakaway?
1: There are only two left. There are only two left. (laughs) That team is getting devoured. Knee (laughs) pain is contagious. Yeah, I don't think (laughs) he'll be starting
0: tomorrow, by the way. Uh, He couldn't move his arm out of finish.
1: Yeah. Anyway, it was a really exciting stage today. It feels like the Giro's opened back up, when in reality, if you just look at... The current GC standings, they don't actually look that different at the top. just looks like Carthy losing a lot, and yeah, it's having a better day. Bernal says he just overextended pretty much. Um, he, he didn't mention anything about his back. Afterwards, we will re- it will remain to be seen how his back is. He's got a transition day tomorrow uh, before a mountaintop finish, which should suit him a little bit more, and you wouldn't expect as big GC gaps on stage 19. But this Euro is definitely still wide open. It's not over. And uh, wouldn't we love Damiano Caruso to be 55 seconds behind Bernard going into that final TT and Yates somewhere in the middle at 30 seconds. We can only dream. But until tomorrow stage, ciao.